0: downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. Last Sunday on the subject of leadership Um, and uh, certainly a subject if you know me, you know me at all, you'll know that we'll come back to it very often Uh, because everything, everything in life Rises, as John Maxwell says, or falls with regards, to, with regards to leadership. Everything in your life, your marriage, your business, everything you do, yourself, it rises or falls depending on the leadership that it has. And we're going to take a, a few verses from Ephesians 5. And when you read it, you'll realize what I'm going to look at this morning. And some of you, you'll go, ooh. Some of you will think, yes, Uh, but that's fine. Preach the word in season and out of season. So, Ephesians 5, verses 22 and through verses uh, to verse 33. Many verses I could have taken, uh, just these are the verses I felt particularly led to look at. I'm frustrated that we only have a certain amount of time to look at. They're all starting to read it and beginning to realize where I'm going. (laughs) Um, I wish I had more time. And this morning might raise more questions with you than answers. And that's fine. In fact, during what I'm going to say to you, I'm just going to ask you loads of questions. So uh, don't uh, think, oh, that's all he's got to say about marriage. Because it's not. Susan could tell you much more <laughs> than what I'm going to say. That's a joke. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, got lots to say. <clears throat> uh, so let's look, read the verses and then we'll take it from there. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, this is the big one, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself... Himself being Jesus, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, A man shall leave his father and mother, excuse me, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This, as uh, Paul says, is a great mystery, (laughs) but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And everyone said... (laughs) <laughs> see, see, I've lost you already, haven't I? have <laughs> lost you already. <laughs> uh, always remember, when you come on a Sunday morning, God meant for you to be here, okay? I didn't ask you to come, well, I do ask you to come, but I didn't know you were coming. So you're meant to be here. And it's the family and the leadership of the family that I want to look at this morning, in case you were wondering. I want to look into marriage, because remember, everything rises or falls depending on the leadership that's given and a man the doctor Dr. R.C. Adams did a study of thousands of marriages over 10 years this is rather depressing did a study of thousands of marriages over 10 10 years and discovered with all his research that only 17% of marriages were truly happy 17% that's low isn't it 17% said they were truly uh, happy Uh, I read some quotes in fact uh, maybe a good idea to lighten the lighten the load for you a little bit by reading some of these quotes I just read these this morning and I thought well there's something here for everyone Uh, and now I need to make sure I read the right ones because uh, it might upset some people Marriage is a bond between a person who never remembers anniversaries and another one who never forgets them. Uh, uh, I love being married. It's so great to find one special person you want to annoy for the rest of your life. (laughs) Prince Philip supposedly said, when a man opens a car door for his wife, it's either a new car or a new wife. (laughs) (laughs) A good marriage is one where each partner secretly suspects suspects they got the better deal. Uh, One man said, my wife dresses to kill. She cooks the same way. (laughs) Another man said, we always hold hands. If I let go, she shops. A guy knows he's in love when he loses interest in his car for a couple of days. Some mornings I wake up grouchy, and some mornings I just let him sleep. (laughs) A good marriage would be between a blind wife and a deaf husband. (laughs) Oh, well, I'll not say that one. Uh, (laughs) What's the best way to get your husband to remember your anniversary? Get married on his birthday. Anyway, that's... uh, The best thing, <laughs> These are, those, are, those of you who are into sport, um, usually men, but maybe not always. The best thing to ever happen to a marriage is the pause live TV button. <laughs> and all the men say, "Amen." Uh, marriage is like a walk in the park. Jurassic Park. <laughs> anyway, I'll leave it there. <laughs> so, um, well, we've been married 41 years. And, uh, and it's true to say, I really mean this, we are still working at it. Uh, th- in fact, if you could see us, I think we've got L plates on the back uh, after 41 years of marriage. Uh, because if you're going to be truly happy, you truly have to work at it. Um, I suppose the truth is, if we hadn't worked at it, it wouldn't have worked. I really mean that. If we hadn't worked at it, it wouldn't have worked. Uh, it wouldn't work now. Uh, We don't work work at it every single day. If we hadn't gone through some really tough times, crises, difficulties, problems, because let me tell you, good marriages go through these things too. It's not just bad marriages. Good marriages go through these things as well. But we decided that we would go through rather than uh, walk away. Because it's actually the going through that deepens the marriage deepens the relationship, deepens the love. Uh, and going through sometimes is tougher than walking away. Walking away is tough. And sometimes you have to walk away. But going through and staying together and walking together and holding hands so she doesn't go shopping or he doesn't go shopping is more often the case with, with Will. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and holding hands is, is more difficult and when I picked the titles, and I picked this title for this study the, uh, this month, I chose to include the family uh, in our talks on the Sunday morning because the family is the most uh, attacked institution often we have in the UK. Marriage, relationships, love is under uh, attack all the time from a variety of sources, I passionately believe in marriage. Uh, Hebrews 13, verse 4 says, Let marriage be held in honor by all. Let marriage be held in honor by everyone. So I believe in the family. It's one of the toughest situations that you'll ever have to lead. And I believe the, the family has suffered a dreadful, dreadful lack of leadership. And consequently, It has suffered. In fact, when you look at empires and you look at history and you study history, you will see that it is the disintegration of marriage that often brings an empire down. Historian Edward Gibbons wrote a book called The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. And he identified five major causes that contributed to the fall of the Roman Empire, Number one was the breakdown of the family. Number one. The breakdown of the family. So guess what's under attack? The family. Guess what the enemy has as number one in his list? The family. Do you want to know the other four, just a matter of interest? Number two, increased taxation. (laughs) Number three, craving for pleasure. Number four, the build-up of weapons of war. Number five, the decay of religion. That was the five things the fall of the Roman Empire. The Bible tells us a marriage is between a man and a woman and that they and he in particular should leave their father and mother and cleave together. And in that relationship, there will be strengths and there will be weaknesses. <clears throat> but make no mistake about it, guys. God will hold you responsible for your marriage. Trust me. He'll hold you responsible for the health of your marriage, for the spiritual health of your your family, the prosperity of your family. The buck will stop with moi. Stops with you, guys. And the best way of putting it is, do you know when you rent a house? It's the name on the lease that's important. (laughs) And your name, guys, is on the lease. So when the landlord comes... He doesn't look to see who's in the house and who's sleeping there and who's involved in it he goes to the leaseholder so if you own property you go to the person who's got the lease and you hold them to account and Ephesians 5 for the husband is the head of the wife and as Christ is the head of the church his body and is, is himself its savior now that's not always popular and I can honestly see why it's not popular because often the problem is men have abdicated their responsibilities They've not led. They've not they've walked away. They've got lazy. They've sought pleasure instead of discipline. They struggle to lead themselves, never mind, lead a family. And women often have been left to take up roles that were never actually meant for them. In fact, sometimes they'll read these verses that we read and, and they'll say to themselves, I can think very much for myself, thank you. Uh, nobody's going to rule me, especially him. <laughs> Because of A, B, and C. But the word head and the word rule and head and rules give the wrong impression. My mother used to say something which made me laugh. She used to say, your dad's the head, but I'm the neck. And I can move him any which way you want. And if you knew knew my mother and father, you realize there's a lot of truth in that. Uh, And she did move him that way. And I'm not saying that was right or wrong. I'm just saying she did. Um... Head means responsible. For Head means leading with service. Head means responsible for carrying the weight and the load of the marriage. Have you ever been so busy that you've said, my head hurts. I've got so much crammed in. My head hurts. Well, leadership is sacrificial. Leadership is displaying agape love. Leadership is showing the way in the family, men. And leadership, men, is being responsible to God. Really. It's not overbearing. It's not ruthless. It's not authoritarian. In fact, every lady I've ever met would like to be married to Jesus. You know, it's, you think, now there's a guy I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't mind being married to. Why is that? Because of love because of compassion, because of thoughtfulness. And he was a true head. And that, but that's how men, us men, should be leading. We should be leading like Jesus. What would Jesus do? Jesus would lead well. Rules, what does rules mean? Rules mean being responsible for people's safety, health and safety. We have rules in life. The Ten Commandments are, don't do this, don't do that. Don't do the other. The Ten Commandments are don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do whatever because you will suffer. It's done out of a sense of love and compassion, it's not done out of a sense of wham bang. And so that's why we have rules it's to give freedom. And as I say, men in the home have often gone missing. And they have gone looking for what I call fake power. Fake power to impress the family and give the family what they want. They'll want a nice house. They'll want a lovely car. So let's we'll get a bigger car. We'll get a bigger house. I'll get a really fantastic career. And that's all great. And God's no problem with any of that. But that's not real leadership. That's not real power. Real power. I'll go to the ladies in a minute, guys. Okay, just relax take a deep breath Um, real power is a better you real power guys is a bigger you are you the same guy that she married? she married you for a reason she fell in love, love with you for a reason and often women fall out of love with a man because he's changed he has not grown in fact sometimes they fall out of love with somebody because he's just stayed the same He's, just, he's, he's consistent, but he's consistently boring. He's not growing. So you have to become a better you, a bigger you, a brighter you. And men are born to be providers. But provide, providing is not just money. It's emotional provision. It's spiritual provision. It's spiritual covering. It's security. Henry Ward Beecher said, The most important thing a father can do for his children is love their mother i got one amen. <laughs> in fact, Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy and says, if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those in his house, he has denied the faith, and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, does that mean women are weak and hopeless and submissive? <laughs> Trust me. I'm married to a strong woman. I had a mother who was a strong woman. I, I know that is not true. In some homes with regards to some ladies, the the man might not be absent, but he might as well be. He's gone missing. And in some homes, a woman has to play both roles. She doesn't want to take the lead, but she has to take the lead. She doesn't want to be the one who issues out the discipline, but she has to discipline. She doesn't want to control everything, but she's got to control everything. Now, am I saying women shouldn't work? Of course not. Am I saying women can't lead? Of course not. You've got a woman pastor. Am I saying women aren't gifted? Of course not. Some of the most gifted men I've ever met are women. <laughs> Some of the most gifted leaders and helpers and workers are women. Women are generally strong because often they have to be strong generally. <laughs> they have to be. They have filled a vacuum. That men have walked away from. So spiritually in the home, often it's the woman who leads. Why is that? Why is it the woman who prays with the children? Why is it not the couple? Physically in the home, it's often the woman who leads. Emotionally in the home, it's the woman who offers the emotional love. Why is that? And in case, men, you think this is all negative about you, it's not. Because sometimes guys go missing, because they get undermined in their role. What does undermine mean? Maybe before they were even married, they saw an they saw undermining done by a mother to a weak father. I saw a bit of that. Strong, strong woman, but sometimes I saw her cut the legs from my father. Authority chipped away. Leadership compromised. The leadership was not honored by the wife, so the leadership was laid down. And there's one thing about a man, ladies. If you undercut them, you do it at your peril. If you belittle them, if you mock their vulnerability, it will be years sometimes before they'll open up their heart to you again. Trust me, it will be. Men do not open up easily. So don't shut them down. Especially in public. Man is responsible to God and it's the toughest assignment he'll ever have. Truly is. Because to God, your family, you ladies, are absolutely precious. God says to the man, I will partner with you and we will bring up this family together In a beautiful, beautiful way. But leadership can be administrated by either a man or a woman. So, let me give you an example. If uh, one of you, say the lady, is brilliant with finances and the man isn't very good with the finances, then uh, I was going to say for God's sake, but I mean that for God's sake, give her the finances. If the woman is not very good at the cooking, let the man cook. Ladies, and all of you said, amen. If it's disciplining the children. If it's disciplining the children, however you do that, I'm not really bothered how you discipline them, but discipline them. Please discipline them in some way. Make sure it's the one who would do it in the Jesus way and not in the human way. Because leadership of the family is sacrificial. I can't overemphasize that. It's sacrificial. So guys, do you sacrifice for your responsibility? Do you sacrifice for your partner? Or do you take advantage of them? Do you lead the way, guys? Or do you just sit there and frustrate your partner? Do you love your wife as Christ loved the church? We all like to receive God's love, don't we? But that's how we are told to love our families. Or do you just let her have her own way and that will keep the peace? That's a big mistake. That's a big, why is it a big mistake? Well, first of all, it's abdication. And secondly, she'll, let, she'll respect you less and less if you give her her own way all the time. Have something to stand up for. Do you release on her giftings? Or is life all about you? Are you big enough as a man to let your wife flourish? She might be more gifted than what you are. Do you see her potential? What's your plan, men, to release your wife's potential? Do you know that potential unexpressed turns to pain? Potential unexpressed turns to pain. I'll say it again. Potential unexpressed turns to pain. Mental illness, emotional illness. Physical illness. I've seen it so many times in ladies. I've seen it in my mother-in-law. I've seen it sometimes in my mother when she was alive. Potential unexpressed turns to pain. So guys, are you a dream releaser or a dream denier? Do you inspire your family? Leadership is influence. Influence. And people want to be inspired. Ladies, do you honor him? Even if it's just for the few things you do well, or he does well? Do you speak life into him? Or have you given up? Have you stopped trying? Have you stopped caring? Have you stopped even looking your best for him? And then there's single mums and single dads. I think God has more compassion there than anywhere else. People who have been left high and dry. Sometimes the parent's not left the house, but he's left the relationship or she's left the relationship. Bringing up a family alone, a sole breadwinner, left alone to make it happen. No boyfriend, no husband, no wife. No one to say you're loved. No one to say it's going to be okay. No one to welcome home. No one to support you. And it's down to you. And that is what I call survival mode. And you can only do survival mode for so long. In fact, you feel it saying to other women, I wish you'd stop complaining about your husband, at least you've got one. You feel it saying to the men, take care and order that woman, because you might lose her. But you know, for single parents, men or women, reaching out, just even it's grabbing the hem of Jesus' garment, like the women with the issue of blood. Whatever your past, whatever your issue is, the answer is Jesus. It really is. He's got the answer to every relationship, every problem. And 2019 is my year of talking growth. And I want us to grow, as Susan was saying. I want our families to grow. So how can we grow in finishing? Number one, actively, purposefully, intentionally lead yourself before you try and lead your partner. Be intentional about your life. Be intentional about your leadership. Stop trying to tell everyone else, Jack, what to do if you're not doing it yourself. Stoke up the fire within you. Lead yourself better and you'll lead your family better. And that's number one. Number two, have a bigger vision than just your happiness. Individually and as a family. Do you know, as you serve others, as you bless others, you get the happiness as well as them. As well as making them happy, you become happy. When you serve other families, your family benefit, number two. Number three, ask yourselves more questions. Particularly guys who are going, I'm going to get promoted, I'm going to get this car, that house. No, 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 no. Ask yourself, why? Why? Why do I need more money? What would I do with the money if I got it? All would happen with the, if you had more money is the problems you have would be bigger. <laughs> you know, whatever problem you've got with money right now, it would be emphasized, okay? So if you struggle to give, then that struggle would be bigger. If you struggle to meet your budget, It would just be a bigger budget and you'd be struggling to meet that. You have to be faithful with small things. So, why do I want more things? What's the real reason behind me wanting more? Number four, what do I want my children and my grandchildren to remember me by? Wow. What do I want my children and my grandchildren to remember me by? What's the memory going to be? Have I led my family well? what have I provided for them? Just picture the scene. It's your funeral. You're getting put in the ground or into the the fire, as it were. What's going to be their memory of you? Someone said, success is when those who know you the most think the most of you. Success is when those who know you the most think the most of you. Success is when those who know you the most, they're the ones who think the most of you. And I've been getting some quotes from my book from various people. and I've been, getting some, I've been sharing it with one or two of the team and so forth. Some lovely quotes. They're very nice, but they only know me a little. But what does my family think? And God showed me two things which were wonderful. He showed me one thing because I asked my sister Nancy to do a quote, and I'm not going to read it out, but it was a lovely, lovely quote from a sister to a brother. And then another thing, we were in Israel last year, and uh, little known to us, the girls, Charlene and Tanya, and uh, the other one, Natalie. <laughs> my eldest. <laughs> How could you forget your eldest? (laughs) I'm terrible with names, but you you know that. (laughs) Um, Tanya, Tanya, Charlene and Natalie. Natalie, Charlene and Tanya. I know their birthdays and everything, don't worry about that. (laughs) Uh, I'm just showing you I'm human. (laughs) Um, And they had done a lovely video, which we didn't know about. And uh, they shared it, I think, through WhatsApp. So we woke up in the morning of our 40th wedding anniversary in Jerusalem. It was, it was beautiful. And uh, we opened up this, this greeting from, from the girls. And uh, in a way that they have never, ever done before. It's too precious even to let you see. They began to share. Just starting to cry. Like, uh, <laughs> they began to share what they thought about us. And we began to realize what they thought about, about us. And it was beautiful. It was intimate. It was beautiful and Will was involved as well uh, and said some lovely things. And John and uh, the five of them uh, said some wonderful things. And when I was sit- wrote down that quote, success is when those who know you the most, and they know us the most, think the most of you. You love us, I know that, but you don't love them, love us like they love us. You understand? And so your family are the exact same. So guys in particular... Rise up and be the men that God wants you to be. Lead in a way that when you go into the ground or you go into the flames, they'll have wonderful, beautiful memories about you. What's your family's vision? Number five. What values are you subconsciously telling them are important? It might not be what you say. In fact, they're probably not listen to a word you say. You know that if you've got kids, but they'll watch you very, very carefully. What are you telling them is important? That's just five things. I could write many, many more. You could write many, many more. But these five things, if we would face them head on and not get condemned, but get convicted, nobody's trying to condemn you today. Please don't look down and feel depressed because God's hope is in you. It's you. He's given you the responsibility. It's you. And many years ago, uh, Susan and I, many, many years ago, we visited, my mother was a Coronation Street watcher and she came down to, Man, come down to Preston and we said, we'll take you to the Coronation Street set. I don't know if anybody's ever been uh, there in Manchester. And basically, you're walking along the terrace street that the... I, don't, I haven't watched Coronation Street for years, but anyway. So it's the cobbled streets and the shops and the houses and everything else. And when you go there as a visitor, you suddenly realize something. That actually, there's nothing behind the facade. <laughs> there's nothing there. There is no shop. It's just a shop front. There is no house. It's just a house front. There's nothing. It's all an image for the cameras, and some of us are like that in our lives. So we show up on a Sunday or we show up any other time and it's, we do this and we say the right things and do the right things. But if I was to dig down into you as a person or dig down into your marriage, what would, and you were to do that with me, what would you find? Would you say, wow, the house front's wonderful, but you should see behind it. It's amazing. Leadership, true leadership, is not about the front. It's what's behind. You have to do the interior work as well as the exterior work. And to do that, you have to be intentional. I listened to one guy, and he said, every night when I drive home from work, there's a petrol station seven minutes from my house. So when I get to that petrol station, he says, I park the car, I sit down, I take a deep breath, I answer any phone calls or texts or whatever, and then I decide my most important assignment is now going to happen in seven minutes. And that's walking back into the house where I am the leader. I am in charge. I've been told what to do all day. I've been running around for A, B and C all the time. But now I'm going home and this is where my assignment is. So I'm going home with strength, with vigor, and not to collapse on the floor and say, serve me. (laughs) Just serve me. I'm absolutely shattered. Because usually you're shattered here, but you're not so much shattered here. So we have to take some time, guys, and think to ourselves, now I'm responsible for that house I'm going to enter into. So I'm going to enter in with joy. I'm going to enter in and lead. I'm going to enter in no matter what the response I get. I'm going to bring goodness and mercy. And ladies, when he walks in the door, don't just go, here. (laughs) Give it a couple of minutes. (laughs) I've had this child all day. Now it's over to you. Because ladies have to prepare for him coming home too. Because two worlds meet. They really do. Huge pressure on both. Really huge pressure. And I can understand, okay, you're home, now I'm going to dump on you. Now I'm home, I'm going to dump on you. I've had a rotten day. What's your day been like? Rotten. Good, we're going to be rotten together. (laughs) And the enemy thinks, oh, goody, goody, goody. There's going to be a fight here. There's going to be a fight. So in a crisis or an argument, make sure you attack the problem and not the person. Try, try and get the facts. Men are quite strong in facts, uh, in my, my humble opinion. <laughs> uh, look at options together. Choose the best solution. Look for positives in the crisis. That's not always easy. But most importantly, most importantly of all, never withdraw love from each other. It's the problem that's the problem not the other person. You understand? The problem's the problem, not your wife, not your husband. It's the problem. And it's the problem the enemy's trying to use to divide you, to break down your family, to separate your family. So together, commit to God, commit to growth, but commit to each other and put a huge dose a huge helping of forgiveness at every occasion. And tell the other one, every chance, you can't do this too, too often. Tell the other one how special they are. Told you the story many times of the man who brought flowers home every week, but that's all he ever did. Eventually, she hit him over the head with the flowers because she was sick to death of flowers. You understand? So don't be predictable. Do something different. <laughs> yeah? Okay, let's pray. <laughs> I've got you laughing anyway, don't I? <laughs> well, I was hitting you in the stomach. <laughs> Father, I thank you, Lord, that uh, you have called us to family. However that family is made up. Single parents. Married couple. A man or a woman who's lost their husband or lost their wife in whatever way they've lost them, Lord. Father, I thank you that you are committed to family. To you, it's sacred. To you, it's a covenant. To you, it's precious. But as we talk about forgiveness, Lord, I thank you that you forgive us. Oh, Lord, we've made some mistakes. Lord, we've made some errors. Lord, we've been stupid sometimes. The fantastic thing is, Lord, you forgive us. And repentance, Lord, is where we turn around and say, well, I've acted that way in the past, but today's a new day. This week's a new week. I can change. I can change. I will change. Lord, I pray for every marriage. I pray for every family. Lord, I pray for every single person in this building. Let no one, no one feel condemned. But convict us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. Convict us where we could do better, where we can change, where we can turn around, where we can go your way and we can walk in faith and not in doubt. I thank you, Lord, that you have good times ahead for our families. You have struggles for us to face. You have burdens sometimes for us to carry. But I thank you, Lord, that goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. And as we face struggles, we thank you that we are never alone. You're with us. So, Lord, as as some of us pick up our cross and follow you this morning, let us be the change in the relationship. Let us not wait for the other person. Let's not wait till the children start behaving till they get a good parent. Let's not wait till our husbands start operating according to God's word. You operate according to God's word. Let's not wait for our wives to fall into line. You fall into line. Love her as Christ has loved the church. Father, I pray for strong marriages. I pray protection over every marriage, every family, every relationship in this church. May there be a spiritual covering come right over every situation right now. For we ask it in your lovely and your precious name. Amen. Amen. Amen.